pastors today. So we're going to have two people come up. I've known these people since I was very, very little. And what I can say about them is they are absolutely 100% the real deal. They have known Jesus and loved Jesus for a long time. And it is so evident in their life. And what they're speaking on today is something that means everything to them down to their core. Um, So the Holy Spirit invaded our prayer meeting before and said, I'm bringing healing and restoration and hope today. There was a picture of him just weaving in and out of the people in this room, just just ready to break change, just ready to do amazing things. So I just just want everybody to know that's here, that's in our midst. Um, As these people are speaking to you, listen, we said open ears and soft hearts because what they have to say is amazingly important. So... um, I'm going to first say Holly Perryman is uh, an, an amazing lady. She's been, I, Dana and I said, we want to be like Holly when we grow up. And we, we always have, because she just has amazing faith. And so she's going to speak to us today. But first, we're going to hear from Beth Tope. Beth is an amazing lady, too. Her heart is so big and so tender towards God. Her feelings are so soft to what he wants that when you hear her talk, it's just going to come through. I think we're tremendously blessed, so please stand, if you would, and if you're able, and help me join Beth Tope. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Fabulous. Good. I'm glad. I'm going to start a little differently than I planned, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. While we were worshiping, God gave me a sense of what he was doing in the supernatural um, that affects the natural. And I could hear in the spirit the rumbling of an earthquake. And I saw God shaking preconceived foundations and they became like powder. And God brought up a dream I had. Um, It was about four weeks ago now. And in the dream, there was a a very vulnerable single mom with her two children, and she started dating a gentleman who was bad news. And um, it became an abusive situation. And my family, and I say family because I believe it meant the church, began to notice, and we went in to rescue her. And when we broke in, we found that this gentleman, and this is gonna sound weird, but it's very applicable, had a mummified woman from a previous situation sitting in the room. So all of us, obviously, were terrified for this woman. We pursued them all the way across the country to save them. And in the dream, God spoke to me very clearly, because I was praying during the intercessory prayer um, meeting that we had, which was fabulous. Can I just say, there is such a need for intercessory prayer, especially with what God's calling us into, and it's for everyone. Side note. But anyway, we pursued them all the way across the country, and God spoke to me, and he said, There are people here who have been robbed of their innocence due to life circumstances, and the devil has gotten in and he has influenced the vulnerable. And the church, as as the family, we are to pursue them all the way to the ends of heaven and earth. We ended up on a beach, and if anyone knows Dream Talk, it represents that that meeting of heaven and earth, and we pursued them all the way in order to rescue them. And the things that the devil meant to keep mummified and hidden, the Lord's beginning to expose, right? So on that note, we're gonna talk about mental health and the church. 
and how important it is for us to start the conversation about mental illness and also how to help people to health, how to pursue people who are vulnerable because it's one of the most vulnerable groups in our society and we have no understanding of it. Nine times out of 10. And if you look around this room, there are people here that you have no idea of what they're walking through, of their diagnoses. You have no idea because we don't talk about it. So I'm going to start uh, to Mark 5. Um, when I was praying about this, God spoke to me. And I, well, I was looking for references to mental health in the Bible. And there's really not a lot. I mean, it talks about anxiety and it talks about depression. And those are societally uh, acceptable things to talk about. But there's not really a lot that talks about bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, eating disorders, um, oppositional defiant disorder, ADHD, things that are very serious and aren't really talked about in the Bible much. So in Mark 5, we're going to start in 24, verse 24. It's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And I'm going to break it down, and I'm going to talk about how that relates to what people and families that are walking through mental illness um, experience. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. So I've got three points that we're going to walk through. First of all is the reality of what people go through when they're dealing with mental health issues. Because there is a reality, right? Then I'm going to talk about the practicality of how we can reach people and help people and come alongside of people. And lastly, I'm going to talk about our hope in Christ, because really our hope is for healing and for deliverance. So the woman with the issue of blood, she had suffered for a really long time. It was an invisible illness. It wasn't something that you looked at her and you saw and you said, oh yeah, she's bleeding. It was something that was shameful that she couldn't even go out into society. She became very, very isolated. Um, she spent tons of money on doctors who tried to give her a diagnosis and had no answers. Does any of this sound familiar? I know some of you have walked through this. And for her, in that culture, what she was experiencing was shameful. She wasn't allowed to go to the meetings. She was very isolated. Her family had probably cut her off, and she was broke. She was desperate, and she was broken. And when she heard about Jesus, it was like, it's, it's now or never. And families that are dealing with situations, whether they themselves 
have a diagnosis that they are struggling with or family members who have a diagnosis that they're struggling with, they become very isolated, particularly in the church. Um, we talk, like I said, a lot about anxiety. We talk all about um, depression, you know. Oh, my anxiety is really acting up. Oh, my OCD was acting up today. But do we really understand what it's like to live with something that's chronic, that they can't help? This woman, she couldn't help her diagnosis. And people with mental illness, they can't help their diagnosis. It's not a sin to have bipolar disorder. It's not a sin to have a diagnosis of schizophrenia. And we need to understand that. Are there behaviors that are extreme that can come out of that? Yes. Is it something that can look very frightening from the outside? Yes. But I'm speaking to you today. If any of you out there have those diagnoses, there is hope and there is healing. And I know people that have personally been healed um, of bipolar disorder. So I'm just, let me just put that out there. I know that the behaviors seem extreme. I know that it's scary to talk about, but there's hope in Christ. And we'll get to that in a little bit. So families, these families, a lot of times, because of the extremity of the behaviors, they don't take their children places. There's a lot of shame for parents. We feel like failures. We feel helpless. We don't know how to help our children. And for myself, um, and we've walked through this with one of our children with a diagnosis of extreme early onset bipolar disorder, amongst other things. And as a parent, you feel like you're failing your child. On top of which, your parenting style doesn't look anything like what the church says parenting should look like. So it's very easy to stand on the outside and say, well, your child's doing this, and your, or whatever, your brother's doing this, and to have no understanding of what that person's actually walking through. And you become isolated, and you become embarrassed, and there's a shame factor that enters in. So not only is the person who's experiencing the mental health feeling ashamed because they can't control their own behavior and they don't know what's wrong with them, but then the family on top of it feels ashamed because they don't know how to help. And so we have this cycle of isolation and the devil gets in. And let me tell you, he wreaks havoc on families, marriages. He wreaks havoc on marriages, sibling relationships, parenting. I'm, I'm telling you, it is a huge deal. And we don't usually see until the fallout happens. So how, how can we help people walk through this? You know, so many people and individuals that are struggling with mental illness don't have friends, and they're very lonely. And it becomes a cycle of despair for them. And Jesus talks about, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, and this isn't a verse that I've um, given you, but it's, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's who we're supposed to be to the world as well. We're supposed to be there for the people that are weary and heavy laden. Coming alongside of people, companionship. Um, there's a quote that I found that talks about what companionship is. And it says, companionship is a way of acting on our concern for a person who is suffering or struggling alone. And let me tell you, in the church, there's no excuse for people to be suffering and struggling alone. I mean, we come alongside people who are struggling with cancer. We come alongside people who are struggling with um, diabetes. But then if a person's struggling with a mental illness, a lot of times it's like, well, maybe you don't have enough faith. I mean, honestly. I mean, you sh maybe you shouldn't be a, maybe you should just get out more. 
And we don't realize that maybe what they need is to go see a doctor. And maybe what we need to do is encourage them to go see a doctor because maybe there's a medicine that might help them. Maybe we should come alongside them and pray for them. A lot of people are afraid to share because they think that they're going to be judged. And it's, that's unexcusable. Families also feel very protective of each other, so it's difficult to share in that um, uh, capacity as well. Um, I know as a parent, and I'm going to share this, um, I actually avoided the blessing of the children because our situation at that time was so severe that, first of all, I felt like I couldn't stand up here in front of everybody and, and look at other people who had children that were doing great, could play in sports, you know, could be on teams, could, you know, we're all high achieving. And for me, it was such a sense of shame, and God's breaking that off of me. But it was such a sense of shame that I didn't even, we didn't even come to church that day. And I know that people, I mean, if I had shared that with anyone, everybody would have been like, oh no, that's terrible. And people had beautiful words for my kids, and I didn't even realize it. God had actually woken John Hooker up with a dream for my son. So anyway, we need to come alongside of each other. So how can we practically help people? Let's just talk practicality. Um, Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. It's like, whoa, ouch. ouch. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26, or actually 18 through 26. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we should treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Because if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So if we have parts in the body that are suffering, guess what, we suffer with them. Whether we know it or not, we suffer with them. And it's so important for these things to be brought out into the light so that we can help each other. So supporting families and individuals who are struggling. First of all, educate yourselves. If someone comes to you and says, I'm struggling and I have bipolar disorder, I would do a little bit of Googling on it, just to be honest. Or if you're struggling with something, find someone you trust and go and talk to them and explain, this is what it looks like when I'm dealing with mania or depression or whatever part that they're struggling with. How can we help? We can offer meals. A lot of people are going through hospitalizations you don't even know about. Um, Dealing with, it's very traumatic for individuals, um, especially when it's putting your child into a psychological or a psych ward. Right? We don't talk about it. Because if your kid was going into the hospital for a physical ailment, physical, and the mind's part of the body, so physical, 
ailment, we'd be like, everybody pray for me. When your kid gets checked into a psych ward, we don't tell anyone. So we go up by ourselves. Offer meals. Check on them financially. The woman with the issue of blood, she'd spent all her money trying to figure out a diagnosis. And that's what it's like. There are people that are out there, don't have insurance, and their child is putting holes in their walls and they don't know what to do. Or their parent or whoever. Honestly, it touches a lot of people. Help them around the house. Check on the younger siblings. Um, Siblings of children with special needs often feel overlooked. They struggle with anxiety. Um, The moms struggle with anxiety. There was one summer I put together this thing called whining while cleaning, and I would just go over to people's houses and bring a bottle of wine and clean their house for them so they could sit and drink wine, which I'm thinking about reintroducing, so just so y'all know. But yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, okay. So, so we'll start a waiting list, you know, a help list. Anyway, things like that. You know, bring them a bottle of wine, let them put their feet up, and clean their dang house for them. Because I can tell you, they probably don't have time to clean their house. And the more chaos, it becomes so chaotic. There's, it feels like everything is out of control. If you go in and clean their house, psychologically, it just does something to lift you. All right or fix a hole in their wall, whatever. I'm just saying. Be there to understand in kindness, to listen, and to pray. And above all else, unless you have actual knowledge of of what it's like to parent it, don't give them parenting advice. Um, You can offer to help, but I would ask them, how can I help? How can I pray? Or... Um, if it's somebody who's dealing with a parent or a brother or a sister, how can I help you? Because a lot of times, you know, um, these things are so debilitating that adults are still struggling with them and can't leave the house. Or there's so many things that we need to make sure that we're checking on people and making sure that we're making sure that they're okay. So what is our incredible, wonderful hope? The hope that we have, and this is, to me, the most brilliant thing, the most brilliant promise in the Bible when it comes to mental health, is that when we are saved, we have the mind of Christ. So there's not anything else that I can think of in the Bible that has that kind of a promise. So if we're struggling with depression and anxiety or bipolar disorder, and you turn your life over to God, there's this hope in who we are in Christ that supersedes anything else. And the fact that he actually changes our minds is incredible. It's incredible. What an incredible promise. There is so much hope and a future for people who are suffering with these things. And we need to understand that. If you personally are going through something and taking medicine for it, there's hope. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's a lady named Reverend Susan Gregg Schroeder, and she said, when persons with a mental illness are able to use their faith and spirituality as a source of healing and support, they discover a renewed sense of vision, hope, and possibilities for the future. And a lot of times when we get those diagnoses, it feels like there's no future, that that's it. We've just been totally robbed. And that's not the truth. That's a lie from the devil. Totally and completely a lie from the devil. So, if you are out there and you have those diagnoses, we want to pray for you. Yes. Because you have hope. Yes. There is absolutely no shame. 
The Bible talks about how in Luke 11, 34 through 36, it says that your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it's unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. So you make sure that the light that you think that you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light, no dark corners, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling with you with light. So as we become saved, it's, not, it's a promise that God shines a light on the darkness. And if anyone has ever walked through depression or anything like that, you know how dark it is. But there's a promise in the Bible that says that when we have the mind of Christ, it's like a floodlight shines into those areas in our lives. And that there's no more darkness, there's no shadows in us. And that's all because of what Jesus did. It's amazing. So ask people, how can I pray? How are you doing? What can I do to help? When you're praying, you can also ask the Holy Spirit for revelation. There were a lot of times when I was praying for my child that I would say, God, I don't know how to pray. And the Holy Spirit would give me something specific for a season to pray over him. And then God would answer that prayer. And I'm going to add that on because God answers our prayers. When he promises us stuff, guess what? He honors that promise. So when God told me I won't abandon him in darkness and despair, and he told me that when he was little, God's honored that promise, and he backs it with his name. That's Psalm 138, and anyone who knows me knows it's one of my favorite things to hold on to. Pray without ceasing. Pray for specificity. I practiced that word a lot. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and in Romans 8:24, it talks about the hope. In hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? If it's in front of you, where's your hope, right? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking over where my humanity ends and your divinity begins. Right? The Holy Spirit, he guides us. He not only prompts us to talk to people and draws people to us, he guides us in how to pray for difficult, impossible situations. And it's such a freeing thing. Um, One last thing before I pass it over to Holly. Um, I wanna speak specifically to the vulnerability of this entire um, people group that we're talking about. Individuals with mental health are um, at very high risk. They're at high risk of abuse. Um, they tend to, if they aren't, don't become saved, tend to become abusers because they're, a lot of times they're so out of control. So I wanted to speak to that post-traumatic stress disorder and that shame factor that I feel like a lot of people suffer with. Um, there's healing here for people that have suffered post-traumatic stress disorder. When you have reactions to things that you're like, where'd that come from? You know, that happened 20 years ago. That's trauma. And God wants to heal trauma. He not only wants to heal trauma of the abused, he wants to heal the abusers too. And that's a hard, that's a difficult thing. Let me tell you, God loves each and every one of us so much. And it's his heart to see everyone set free. Everyone set free everyone set free. Keep a short account 
And I can't, I can't speak to individual situations necessarily, but I'll tell you what, the one thing that saved my heart from going down that bitter spiral has been forgiveness. Yes. I've had to forgive myself for perceived failures or real actual failures, and I've had to forgive those who maybe didn't know what they were doing or did know what they were doing. It is so vital to our healing and to moving on. And it's so vital to healing that trauma and that post-traumatic stress disorder. It's a real thing. And I know some of you out there have walked through it. I know it. So I just want to encourage you, share, let God, let Jesus shine light on areas in your heart. Because I'll tell you what, once that stuff gets cleared out, ain't nobody got time for that. That's what I tell myself. I'm like, I'm 40. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to hold on. If I'm going to be going at 80 with my hair on fire, I do not want to be weighed down with stuff. We don't have time. You know, God encourages us, forgive, forgive, forgive. We don't have time to hold on to things. And it's hard. It's hard when you're hurt. Let me tell you, it's hard. It's really hard. But I want to encourage you. So um, before I hand it over to Holly, I would just like to pray really quickly. And then we're going to move it on along. Father God, I just thank you that you are a generous, kind, incredible, loving Father that you put your finger on things that need to be brought into the light, Lord. And I just pray for healing today, that you would heal minds and hearts, and Lord, that you would set people free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Isn't Beth amazing? She inspires me. Beth, Beth inspires me. I'm very type A. Beth is, I wouldn't really describe Beth as a type A. Uh, <laughs> Beth and I are just alike enough and just different enough. It's like we fit together like two puzzle pieces. And God, yeah, God has just joined us together. Um, And this Rooted in Hope started because Beth and I started meeting, and we have a shared experience in dealing with some of this stuff. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. Um, Yeah, I have a child with an intellectual disability. Um, Beth has a child struggling with bipolar. And we just started meeting, and it became this very safe space to just be really honest to say, this is something that made me mad. This is something I'm struggling with. This is something I don't have faith for today. This is something I can't do anymore. And we could just say it to each other. And you didn't have to worry about what either of us thought. And we're just like, this is amazing. This is what we need. And then God just started kind of like rising up this like righteous anger in us of like, why are we not talking about this as a church? Like the enemy has just been allowed to just kind of run rampant and it's just time to put a stop to it. And she and I had dinner one night, and we just had this amazing conversation. And I looked at her, and I'm like, we have to do something. (laughs) Um, And so that was kind of where this came from. So I wanted to share with you where the name comes from, Rooted in Hope, because I think it gives a really clear picture of what we want this to be. So Beth and I had that night, and so we go to Tom, and we're like, Tom, hey, this is what's going on, and can we have some breakfast? And so we sat down, and we we shared our heart with Tom, and... um, so we said, well, we need to name this thing. What are we going to name it? And Beth said, well, I don't know, but it has to have the word hope because that scripture that she shared in Romans, she said, I want people to know that they have hope. No matter how difficult it is, you have hope. And we said, okay, hope's in the name. And there was this experience that I had had probably 10 years ago, and it was one of those times where it was a rather benign situation, but it was like inside I'm like, oh man, God just showed me something. It was one of those things where you're just like, that'll preach, 
right? And I thought, I don't know what to do with that, but I'm just going to stick that in my back pocket because I know God just showed me something, and I'm just going to wait and see. And when we were talking about the name, I just felt like God say, this is what that was for. This is what I showed you. And so let me share that story with you. Um, It was 10 years ago or so, give or take, and we had a bunch of big trees in our backyard that had been cut down. And so we're left with these large stumps uh, that we needed to remove from our yard. And yes, we know there are stump grinders and people that you can call, but that's just not how we do things at the Perryman home. Um, My husband said, no, I want the stump removed, not ground down. I want like the whole thing taken out. Um, And my husband has a saying, why do I pay people to do things I can do myself? And he's just cool enough to tear a stump out with his bare hands. So um, I, my new nickname for him is The Beast because he's like, because he tears things out with his bare hands. Anyway, um, so he goes out one day and he's like, okay, I'm taking out this. I mean, this is a pretty big tree stump. I'm going to take this thing out. So I'm doing stuff in the house and he's out there working and he's out there working and it's several hours and I look out and uh, I'm like, holy cow. I look out there and this tree stump is still there. And he has dug a hole so big that he is standing waist deep in this hole with the tree stump. So I'm like, what the heck? So I go out and I'm like, what? like how are things going? Like, oh my gosh, you got pile of dirt, you got tree roots, you got, you know, and he's like sweat, snot, blood. He's like, I think I almost got it. I'm like, yeah, I, I think you do. Uh, I... Uh, I look down, and the, he has dug all the dirt from around this, all the dirt from around this tree stump. He has chopped every root. And when I looked down, this tree stump looked like it was floating in this hole. Nothing was touching it. And he said, I think it's ready to go. Yeah, I think so. So he gets the logging chain, and he wraps it around this tree stump, and his truck is right there. And he attaches the other end to the truck. And he's like, I'm just going to pull the truck forward and this tree stump's just gonna pop right out. Like, yeah, okay. So starts the truck, starts to pull forward, right? Chain starts to lift off the ground, I'm watching it. A Little bit more gas, tires are digging into the grass, chain's tight and shaking. And I look at this tree stump, not moving. And so he gives a little bit more gas. And I'm kind of waiting for this tree stump to kind of like start to lean, you know, like, I mean, it's like a Ford F-150, full-size pickup truck, pulling it. Nothing is touching it. Look at the tree stump, not moving. A little bit more gas, the truck's straining forward, the chain is shaking. Look at this tree stump, not moving. Not shaking, not bending, completely unyielding. So, he backs up the truck turns it off. And he gets out, and he stands next to me, and we're looking at this tree stump. And my husband said, trees just are not meant to move. Trees are designed to stay exactly where they're planted, no matter what happens. Trees are not meant to move. And I just thought, man, that's powerful. Because you see, this tree stump, you know what was holding it in place? There's a taproot 
Trees have this taproot that grows directly down underneath it. And all the other roots are designed to bring in water and nutrients to the tree, but the taproot has a special purpose. And its purpose is to give strength and stability to the tree. It's the biggest root, and it grows straight down. And we couldn't see it, and we couldn't touch it. And there's a taproot in your life, and its name is the Holy Spirit. And its job is to hold you firmly in place no matter what happens. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. You are a tree planted by streams of water, and trees are not meant to move. Let me share with you quickly our um, mission and vision statement that Beth and I wrote. Ooh, that's tiny. Sorry. <laughs> I'll read it. Um, mission statement. Our mission is to minister to families facing the challenges of mental illness, neurological and intellectual disabilities, addictions, and other similar conditions by providing encouragement and group support, a safe space for open and honest discussions, and hope for healing and restoration. We will work to break the silence so these challenges can be talked about with love and support from the body of Christ. We will pray for and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to set people free. And our vision, our vision is to see complete healing for individuals and powerful restoration for families through the support of the church body. Where the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, we will see Jesus bring life and life to the full. Amen? Amen. All right, so quickly, who is rooted in hope for? It's for anybody who needs it. I can't say it much more clearly than that. Is it just for women? No, it's for men and women. It just has to be led by two women, but our husbands strongly support us. <laughs> um, is it just for parents? No, no. Maybe, maybe you're a child of a parent who is struggling with mental illness. Maybe you're a sibling. Maybe it's a grandparent. Um, it's really for anyone who needs it. Is it for somebody who only has a clinical diagnosis? No, no. Maybe you've just been feeling, maybe you think of it as like, I've just been kind of down in the dumps for a long, long time and I just can't seem to shake it. But I don't really have a clinical diagnosis of depression. That's okay. It's for you. If you have, I put any of it just really under the large umbrella of battles of the mind. Okay? If you are fighting a battle of the mind in whatever capacity that is, then it's for you, okay? Maybe it's for a season, maybe it's forever. Maybe you feel like, I feel called to minister to people like that, then great, come join us. It's really very, very, very broad, okay? We want it to be very open so that it's there for the people who need it. And what is it for? It's to break the silence, right? Beth just so beautifully shared that. It's just, 
it's time to break the silence. We just feel like the church has been quiet for too long. People that I know that are struggling with something, really struggling with something, and then they walk into church on a Sunday morning and somebody says, how are you? And they feel like they have to say, I'm fine. And you know what? Maybe, what, what if the answer is, I'm not okay? I'm not okay. We need to create a space where you can do that. I went through a time years ago when we lost our um, son, Sam, and Adam received his diagnosis. And I went through a time of really of, of deep depression. But I will tell you, I was too proud to say anything. And I was really good at faking it. And I faked it. And people in this room that have known me for a long time didn't even know. And on the surface, everybody thought I was fine, but inside, I was dying. And I was walking through this dark, dark valley, and I did it alone. And let me just tell you, don't. Don't do it. It's one of my greatest regrets in life, because it stole so much from me. I let the enemy just steal that from me. And it took time away from my family, and it stole moments with my son that I can never get back. And I should have just said, I'm not okay but I was too proud. Don't do that. Don't let the enemy rob you of those moments, right? Bring that stuff out into the light. Let's talk about that stuff because I believe that if I had come forward and if I had gotten the help that I needed and if I had been honest, I probably would have received healing in a matter of months and instead I struggled for years and it simply wasn't worth it. And to bring these issues into the light, do you know, have you ever had, like, you're at home and you hear a noise outside and you look out and you think, oh, my gosh, there's somebody over there and I think they're trying to break into my house and I can't see what it is, but it looks like somebody's standing over there. And then you turn the porch light on and you realize it's just a bush. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? When you're looking at things in the dark, you're like, well, I can't. Ooh, I think. And then you turn the light on and you're like, oh, it's just that. Right? When you keep these things in the darkness and you don't share them, then it gives the opportunity for the enemy to come and whisper lies and say, you're no good. You failed again. You're never going to make it. Nobody cares. You're all, you know what? Shut up, enemy. And it's time to say, no, we're going to turn on the light because that's a lie. And when I'm in the dark, it looks like it's the truth. But when I turn on the light, I realize that's not the truth at all. That was a lie of the enemy. So we want to bring those things into the light so that we can clearly see what the truth is. And then the lies of the enemy are really easy to dispel, aren't they? When we allow him to whisper things in the dark, it, it distorts everything. And we want to just remove that, that power and those lies of the enemy. Okay. So we're going to have a time of body ministry this morning. Guy had mentioned that. Guy didn't know that I actually have that built into my presentation. So I was like, holy spirit, love it when that happens. Um, okay. So I want to administer this very specifically this morning. If you're engaged in a battle of the mind, if what we have shared this morning has resonated with you, we want to have a time to minister and stand with you. So we're going to give you, in, a, in a, a moment, an opportunity to stand. Don't do it yet. We want to do it in a way that's very public. And that's not to embarrass anybody. It's not to call people out. But it's because there's purpose in that. 
when you make those things public, when you stand publicly and you're like, hey, that's me, and you come forward, three things happen. One, you make a clear statement to the enemy that you're rejecting his lies and that he has no place here, right? We need to send a message to the enemy that not here, not today, Satan, not in this house, not with these people, not on my watch, right? And I want to send a clear message to the enemy that if he's come to pick a fight, then a fight he will get. And I believe when we stand in the power of prayer, we will see healing. Don't just believe it. I know it, right? And the enemy is going to find out that he's brought a knife to a gunfight. Two, you let the body, the people here, know that you need their love and support. And we can see you and identify you so that we can be standing with you. So that when we see you on a Sunday morning and say, how are you? And you say, I'm fine. It's an opportunity to somebody to put their arm around you and just say, are you really? Are you really fine? Because if you're not fine, then let's stand together and pray about it. And third, you make a statement of faith to see the healing power of God. I think there's something very powerful about standing to say, I'm going to stand and believe that God's going to bring that healing today. And you make that public declaration. So we don't want to embarrass anyone. We don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. But we do want to break the silence. And we do want to bring those issues into the light and see that healing. And that's really what it's about. So one thing I want to do really quickly before we pray, and by the way, we're just going to have you stand right where you are. You don't even have to come up here, okay? Um, you don't have to share anything, okay? And I'm just kind of setting this up, so if you're kind of like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to stand, you can just give you a minute to kind of think about that, okay? So sometimes when you have the opportunity to do that, we think, what if I'm the only one standing? Or I'm not very comfortable here. I really don't want to go first. So we're going to take that issue off the table, okay? So if I, first of all, I could have my husband join me up here and have um, the topes, Beth and Jeff, so we're the first to stand. Because across our families, issues of mental illness, intellectual disability, right? And so we're willing to just say, you know what? That's us. We got that going on. That's part of the reason we started this. There's another family here. Um, they couldn't be here with us today. They're out of town. But Dan and Jenny Gilbert, this is them, larger than life. Aren't they beautiful? We're just going to pretend like we're standing on a beach with them, like right there. Dan and Jenny Gilbert, um, if, you, if you don't know them, um, they've been going through um, quite an experience with their daughter. Well, I'm trying to pull something up here. Um, and, um, you know, they just, found, they just found a release and a power in just being very transparent about that. And really, Jenny for me, was a large inspiration in starting Rooted in Hope because I just saw her and she's like, I'm just going to put this out here and I'm just going to talk about it. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Yes, let's talk about it. And it allowed me to go to her and to say, how are you doing today? And to pray for her. And I never would have known. Um, and so they were just a, a large inspiration in this. So I can tell you they are, they are standing with us today, even though they're not 
physically here. Um, we have a Rooted in Hope Facebook page, and if you would like to join it, you're welcome. It is closed, so you do have to be invited just because we want to um, provide some administration and structure to it um, just to make sure it's a safe space. But everybody is welcome to join it. Um, so Jenny posted recently on the Rooted in Hope page, and she kind of told a little bit about their story, and at the end she said this, my heart is for no one to ever walk alone. I look at those who were my lifeline in prayer and want everyone to feel they have a team in their corner praying and pressing on. So they are standing with us as well. And then finally, um, another couple here, just beautiful, amazing people that I've been blessed to get to know, um, who I went to them uh, a couple weeks ago and I said, hey, would you be willing to go first? Would you just be willing to stand right where you are just so somebody else who's like, I don't want to go first, doesn't have to go first. So if I could have David and Chris Lair stand. Just a situation in their home that kind of falls under this battles of the mind um, that they deal with every day. And we're just standing with them, believing in healing uh, and hope in their situation. And they were gracious enough and in their wisdom and and. Um, all the great things that they do to just say, hey, you know what? We'll go first. All right? So we want to stand with you and pray for you. If this is going on, we just want to give you the opportunity to stand right where you are. We're going to have people gather around you. If we could have the worship team come up. I know we didn't really plan on that, but you guys can flow with it, right? All right. If that's you, if the things that, I, that we've talked about, if you're like, yeah, that's, I got that going on. Yeah, I need that kind of help and support. If you could, just be so bold to just stand right where you are. Beautiful. Could I have Tom and Randy come join us up here? If you are not standing... Could you just gather around those who are? And we're going to lay hands on them, pray for them. We're going we're gonna to see healing this morning. We're going to see set free. Before I have Tom and Randy pray, if you were, now that we have so many people standing, if you were standing and nobody has come to lay hands on you yet, could you give me a great big wave so we know that you're there? Adam, somebody stand with Adam. They're in the back. Yep, Kathy. Can somebody stand with Kathy Helfer? In the back. Is everybody covered? All right. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're the great comforter, the great liberator. Off. Loneliness off. 
how to love our parents or grandparents who are walking through these issues. We just, your word says, ask for wisdom and you give it freely and impartially. And we just ask for wisdom and how to love them in the best possible way. We ask for solutions to just as things come up that all of a sudden we lift our eyes to you and we hear this is what we're to do in that moment this is how we're to love our father our grandfather our spouse and our child this is how i can reach them with your love we'll be listening holy spirit we'll be listening for that and we just say thank you that we have direct access to the throne room itself Bless this ministry in Jesus' name. They're rooted in hope. They'll spread into the community abroad. We take hope in life that you've given us. Cause it to spill and splash over St. Charles County, St. Louis County, St. Louis Metro area, and regions beyond. You would give the leaders of this group wisdom. How to meet needs, how to love put their arms around people. How to deal with anger. How to deal with disappointment and wisdom. And I bless this ministry, Father, in Jesus' name, that it would flourish and thrive. That all that it needs, resource-wise, and people and finance and wisdom, that you would meet all their needs. decades to come, there would, people would look back and say, there was a day when it started. I wonder where it started. I wonder how it started. But I'm thankful for it. Father, we bless this ministry in Jesus' name. God bless these beautiful, brave men who stood in Jesus' name. People said, Amen. Amen. If you want more prayer, you want more specific